Welcome to the Strategy Mom Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have Mr. Don Romano, CEO of Hyundai Canada, and the oh-so-famous John Cott of the Cott Automotive Group. Hey, guys, thanks for taking the time to jam with me today. Absolutely. Hey, Jason. Hey, guys, to get kind of get us started here and kick things off, I think some origin stories would be pretty cool. Hey, Don, I'll start with you, and then I'll move over to you, John. Don, how did you get started into the automotive industry? Man, it's kind of like deja vu. Um, I was an intern at, a, uh, at an airline, a cargo airline, to become a pilot, going through training, and they went out of business. I was furloughed. I was driving home. I still had a year left of university, and I had to pay for it myself. I happened to be driving. You know, I'm from Southern California, and I was driving down uh, the highway, and I happened to drive by Nissan's headquarters. And I thought, well, there's a big building and uh, maybe they need somebody part time. Pulled in and filled out an application. They laughed at me. They said, we don't need any pilots here. I said, yeah, well, I need a job. And we're all it's all transportation one way or the other. And uh, they, they laughed at me and, uh, and uh, they said, anybody has the guts to come in here and ask for a job uh, definitely is worthy of an inter- interview. And uh, so I, that, that's how I got started. They, they interviewed me. They gave me a job on the spot. And uh, I finished school about eight months later. And uh, yeah, it's been 35 years of uh, automotive ever since. So let, let me get this straight. So you just walk right into the building. There's the receptionist standing right in front of you. And you just look her straight in the eyes or him straight in the eyes and say, I need a job. <laughs> well, yeah, I should give me an application. And uh she looked at my, I filled That's it awesome. out right there. She looked at it. She laughed. She goes, you're a pilot. I said, well, I'm actually also a business student at the university and uh, down the road here. And, you know, I can do more than fly planes. And it just so happened that the uh, the director that they had me interview with, it was a private pilot. So we hit it off. You know, we had a blast. And he wanted to know what it was like flying commercial planes. And uh, I was uh, getting certified on uh, a 707, which is a worthless piece of junk that doesn't fly anymore, but it was still fun to talk about it because back then you had to fly the planes. They didn't fly themselves. Yeah. You were piloting. <laughs> were, those were the days of real pilots and Flying Tigers was born of pilots from uh, World War II. So we had, a, we had a blast talking just about flying. And after that conversation, he said, oh yeah, do you want to work for me? <laughs> Today, that was it. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's that's an awesome origin story. Thanks for sharing that with us, Don. Um, <laughs> hey, John. I don't know how you're going to top that one off, but let's get, let's take let's take a crack at it. All right, uh, Mr. John Cott. How did you get started in the automotive industry? A uh, small town kid, 32 years ago. Um, as an 18 year old, I uh, I was on the farm, and during the off uh, off season, I thought uh, I. would give selling cars, uh, selling cars a try. So I talked to a local dealer into giving me a job as a salesperson. And uh, I was a much better car salesman than a farmer. So uh, tended, uh, tended to, uh, to, to go, to go through that career. So, yeah. How did the, um, how, how did the auto group start for you? Um, well, I, <clears throat> um, 
had been working in Alberta for 17 years in some senior management positions for some large dealer groups, and then decided to move out uh, to BC and uh, and worked for a group here in Kelowna and the Okanagan. And then uh, after a year, um, I decided that I really wanted to try it myself. And there was a dealership in town here at the Hyundai store um, that maybe was struggling a little bit. And I knew the owner, so we, we were able to, to come to an agreement. And that was eight years ago. So um, I think in November of 2011, I I was able to buy Kelowna Hyundai, kind of put it all on the line. And my wife had some, you know, savings from her parents. And I said, we need that too. And we just, uh, we, we put both feet in and uh, basically started at our first dealership uh, November of 2011. That's awesome. You roll the dice and it paid off. <laughs> hey guys, um, my next question for both of you is, you know, what is the current norm look like for you guys right now? I, I know it's it's different for everybody. I mean, you know, John, we were just talking about this a little bit off camera before we started. You know, I, I, I'm up at 7.30 and I feel like I'm literally on the phone from 7.30 to 6 p.m. every single night and it just doesn't stop. I, I feel like I'm actually busier now than I probably have been in a long time. But I'm curious for you gentlemen, what is the current norm look like? And John, I'll start with you. Um, lots of communication, right? So, I mean, whether it's communicating with your customer base or whether it's communicating with the public and, you know, my day kind of starts, you know, at 7.30, I get to work and then, you know, we're doing GM calls, uh, you know, GM calls every day with all the GMs at, at the six different locations and and then every second day service managers and every second day sales managers and and just making sure that we have a pulse on what's happening and the way we're communicating and messaging to our customers is really important. So um, we've had to obviously adapt like everyone, but uh, you know, for the most part, we really, we really strategized on what we we're going to do from the start. And, you know, we made some, some changes, but um, I'm pretty happy with the way it worked out um, so far. And, I see, I see a little bit of light at the tunnel now and, you know, every week's a little better. So, um, you know, for the service operations, we were actually quite, you know, we're only down to maybe 20, 25%. We have a large uh, base of tire switchovers and stuff like that. We have 700 sets of tires. So we were able to really focus. People don't want to drive on winter tires. So by appointment, we were able to get some of those people in and, and still keep our service operations going pretty much uh, without having to lay off anybody. And then sales, you know, sales is down 40, 50%, um, mostly all by appointment. And, uh, you know, and, but we're still able to give a good quality service. And, and so that's pretty much it in a norm, just lots of communicating and lots of messaging and making sure we're following all the right protocols, but still being able to offer great service. I'm finding right now that that is kind of the key difference between the dealerships that are getting by and you know the ones that are really kind of struggling is kind of that that, that level of over communication to their staff and their employees and their customers uh don for yourself what what is your current norm look like for you sir oh it's insane i mean i think this is an unprecedented time and there's nothing to compare it to we, we've never been through anything like this you can talk about you know the the last financial cri crisis of 2000 Eight, you can talk about 9-11. I mean, you can go back, but there's nothing that compares to this type of a, of a problem. And it varies widely by, by province. So, you know, as John's saying, he's down 50%, but the industry as reported today 
is actually down closer to 80%. And if you were in Quebec, it would be 90%. And, and so you've had these extreme shifts and different applications by provincial governments on how to handle this situation. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, one of the challenges we face because we actually have to do business differently in virtually every, every province. What's good right now, though, is that it's starting to come together. So we're starting to see a lot of the uh, provincial governments uh, adopting the same uh, strategies to uh, keep the virus contained, keep the spread from uh, increasing, and allowing business to start back up in a safe and sound manner. So we were actually the first manufacturer to go out with, it's called Hyundai Safe and Sound. And it's a, a kit that was sent out to every dealer with a description of uh, every step and protocol that should be taken to keep your keep the employees and the customers safe. And uh, you know we, we sent that out the first week of April. And uh, now here we are in May, and it looks like pretty much every province will be able to begin to do business. Just so you know, last month, uh, Ontario and Quebec were completely shut down. So they were unable to, I mean, that's 76% of all the business in, uh, in Canada is done in these two provinces and they were completely shut down. And now both of them are gonna be reopened uh, starting Monday. So luckily we had a head it's start. It's gotta be a we sigh of relief. Yeah, we got the dealers together. We, uh, you know, as John can tell you, we, he's, he's a member of our, uh, uh, deal, has been a member of our dealer council for, for many, many years, but uh, he's somebody that we, we spend a lot of time with, kind of making sure that we're doing the right things. And we've had a lot of communication back and forth with our dealers. And uh, I Don, think Don, Don didn't have gray hair in April. Or in yeah. March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither did you, right, John? <laughs> yeah. And if I did... I had died back then. I can't get it anymore. So yeah, no, and I was just going to hell. But anyway, we can, we can, uh, I can accept gray hair as long as business is good, John. That's true. I'll take the gray hair if business is good. <laughs> That's actually a good segue, guys, kind of into, you know, the, the girth of our conversation today is, you know, how you see the new norm. I mean, kind of progressing and how it's going to change our industry. I mean, Don, you said it best. I mean, this is, this is unprecedented. Like we, we've, this has never happened before. I mean, we've had economic, you know, downturn, downtimes, and you know, we've had, you know, inventory issues, and we've had, you know, we've had natural disasters affect some inventory levels since. But we've never had, we've never had something like this before, where it fundamentally just changes our social perspective of how we engage with people. So yeah, I, not even, yeah, it's not just the change; it's, yeah. it's the speed of the change. I mean, Jason, you and I were together. I think it was a two months ago. It literally felt like it was a few weeks ago. <laughs> award ceremony for the women of our industry, right? And and you and I were there. And I mean, there there wasn't more than you know six millimeters of space between each of us. <laughs> That's now, right. You know, it's a, it's a whole new world, and it's been what two months, and it's a, a whole new world. But I, I think that aspect of this world isn't going to change right away. We're going to continue to social distance long after the virus is contained and eradicated. It's just going to be part of the, the new normal. And I think, you know, John can give you more details of how he sees that applying in, in our business. But uh, I think from society in general, we're going to be uh, a lot more cautious. And I think you're going to see people you know, it used to be the only people that were that would ever wear a face mask came from the, the Asian continent. And uh, 
now look at us. You know, we all have masks when we're going outside. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we've learned from, especially from uh, Korea and China on, you know, how to best protect ourselves and protect those around us. And I think a lot of that is going to be used long into the future, even after this is gone. I, I completely agree with you. And uh, John, that was actually a perfect setup for my next question for you is, is you know, how, how does the new norm of operations, you know, look for you? Um, what kind of segment out between both sales and service? What are your thoughts, sir? Well, I mean, social distancing, whether it's service or sales is, is you know, the new norm, right? So people aren't, you know, as Don mentioned, people aren't going to be getting as close to each other as they used to. So, I mean, through service, we had to, we had to make, waiting areas because some people just want to drop their car off and wait so i mean there's waiting there we have chairs outside right we have we have them six feet apart and some people go outside and they sit outside and you know um so it was changing the way uh you know people were able to come in and get their service and you know we had to change them the way that our, our own our own staff uh you know were situated you know what we did early on was ask we surveyed some customers right um, and that helped me get through or our business get through some some ideas. And we had one customer say, hey, I feel uncomfortable the way how close the employees are. And I said, you know what, thank you for bringing that to my attention. And then, you know, the next day I moved, I moved the employees apart more or changed the way their offices were and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we surveyed our customers. We tried to talk to them lots on newsletters and, and really find out what they wanted and what they expected because, you know, Don gave some good in, you know, all the manufacturers gave some good communications and, and you can get lots of communications, but we also wanted to get a real feel on how the customers were feeling. So the survey really helped us get a gauge. Um, and sales, it's, you know, sales is a lot by appointment, right? So, you know, a lot of people are communicating online now and, and that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, but, you know, most of the deals we got was from us reaching out to them and just asking them how they were doing and, you know, letting them know, um, you know, the manufacturers are offering, like Hyundai offered no payments for six months. And and there was some really good programs and there was, def, you know, payment deferrals on their certain, on their, on their current loans. And some people refinanced their current loan. And, and so just reaching out to them and saying, Hey, we're here to talk to you. If you need, if you have some questions or if you want some help, then we're here. And some people, you know, we took care of their current loans and other people said, you know what, if I can get into a different vehicle, at a lower payment and get a no payment plan, then I'm in. And so, you know, like I said, we we still had lots of people that took that option, right? So it was just it, requ it requires a lot of communication, right? I mean, we're, we're I, yeah. I think we're over communicating or, or communicating just right yeah. on a regular basis more than we've ever had. Yeah, no. It, so that that part was, you know, that part. Some employees wanted to stay home, and that's fine. Some of them worked at home, and other employees uh, we made we made amendments so they could come to work. And we just, we tried to just adapt to the best situation. And, um, you know, like I said, we were still able to sell some cars um, at, a, at every store. I was actually quite happy with it. And then in service, we were only down about 15, 20%. So. Yeah, Jason, can I add something? Yep. And I just want to add to what John's saying. When he talks about adapting, um, I believe we have in, in Canada, the most adaptable dealer network in, in the world. And I can uh, confirm that with statistics uh, in the month of April for the first time in history during the most difficult time, uh, Hyundai outsold Honda. That's never happened before. And it's because of guys That's like John cool. who don't give up. They don't raise white flags. Uh, they, they realize that every challenge is an opportunity. 
and I couldn't be more proud of my dealer body. They, uh, they were absolutely phenomenal in terms of making sure that they put all the right steps in place, provide maximum safety precautions and protocols. And uh, they, they went out there and it was, even though our sales were down, we were one of the uh, top performers in the industry. I guess you could call us the best of the worst, but uh, you know, for our team to be able to outsell, uh, you know, another brand like Honda was, was a big accomplishment and it, it isn't us. We're sitting in these uh, houses and in offices. Well, I mean, it's, Don, real uh, quick, I'm, I'm thinking, did you outsell them or did you out operate them? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say, no, that's a great question, Jason. Uh, I think what happened is we just got in front of this early I agree. Uh, and we, we just decided right off the bat to have as much communication with our dealers to develop safety protocols, to get kits put in place to help them out. We worked with the politicians across the country, provincial, municipal, and federal, to, uh, to try to keep at least some operations going so that even uh, some of our newer dealers that aren't as well capitalized didn't fall off. We had one saying, and that is no dealer left behind through this crisis. We didn't want one dealer to have to go out of business because of this crisis. So we, we worked hard with the, the governments to at least provide uh, the opportunity to do some service. And we also had a number of customers coming off lease. We had over 40,000 customers as an industry coming off lease that had to uh, you know, be taken care of over the, this, this period and going into next month. And uh, we were successful at doing that. And I think just our enthusiasm for figuring this out and the dealer's uh, persistence and ingenuity uh, resulted in what we consider actually to be a pretty good month. You know, it isn't anything that any investor would like to see, but at least from our perspective on how the dealers operated and how we operated, uh, we looked at it as, you know, it was a great learning experience. We pulled through and uh, now we're ready to kickstart and go into business again. Well, Don, I know for a lot of people, and I love the fact that you used a pretty good month because I think that's just a good way to kind of sum it up, right? You know, it, it wasn't horrible. Uh, it could have been better. It was pretty good for what everybody was kind of looking uh, at and kind of anticipating. Now, now, speaking of anticipation, you know, there are a lot of industry experts out there that are quoting numbers that are kind of all over the place as f kind of as far as what the new norm is going to be. You know, um, I heard at one point, you know, roughly only about 3% of sales were done virtually, you know, prior to this whole COVID-19 stuff. Now I have experts out there that are saying between 30 to 40% of sales moving forward could be done in a, or could potentially be done virtually or, or contactless. Um, Don, what are your thoughts on that? And then John, I'm going to ask you the same question. I think most people that say that don't really understand. I know John can, can provide a lot more commentary on this, but they don't really understand the car business. Um, you know, this isn't a pizza that you can order and have delivered to your house. It's not a video that you can stream like Netflix. Uh, a, a, a car transaction, a new car transaction or a used car, it, it's a complex transaction. There are a lot of documents. There are a lot of moving pieces. Um, it's just not as easy as, again, bring, bringing a, something through Amazon to your doorstep. Um, these cars are very complex. Uh, it used to be back in the earlier days, you had a gas pedal, a brake pedal, and uh, a shifter. I, I mean, now you're talking about connectivity systems, safety systems. You're talking about uh, seats that adjust in, in 60 different ways and can be set for 10 different people. And understanding 
all of these these functionalities that you're you're investing in when you buy a car is not only important just for your convenience and your comfort, but also for your safety. There are systems that you can turn on and off you may not even know about, and and so you have to invest um, enough time to where everything becomes intuitive for that customer. So they are getting the full value, number one, of what they invested in, but number two, so they, you know, they understand how to operate this successfully. And a car's not a toy, you know, so it, it, it takes time. Number two, the, the financing alone. Uh, in many, most of the banks of Canada require what they call a wet signature, not a digital signature. In fact, I'll take it back. All the banks require a wet signature. So eventually you're going to have to meet face to face. And then I think last but not least, and, and this is probably the most important. I don't care how much digitization we use, which I think is very important. And we are probably the leaders in this area. Genesis Canada is. Fully yeah, you guys have done very cool stuff. But Jason, I'm telling you, it still comes down to a person and a customer having a relationship and trust. It's the second biggest investment you're going to make. You're not going to put that online. You're not going to complete the whole thing online. You still want somebody like John and his team to know that they're behind you. So if you have an issue, a question, a problem, they're there for you. And, you know, we like, like John said, I mean, there's a lot of times where you have to get the, you know, whether it's snow tires, alignments, whether it's oil changes or whether something happened to break or you just don't know how something works. You've got someone like John there to take care of it. So I still believe in the personal relationship that is still, I think, fundamental to this business and will continue to be fundamental to this business. So that's that's my take. Well, you know what? I've, I've talking to a lot of dealerships right now, as far as the ones that are kind of processing kind of these virtual sales and services, is that they're forced uh, they're forced to communicate, you know, with one of these devices. You know, so they, they may not be physical, but they're face to face. And the response again from a lot of dealerships is that the the connection's actually getting deeper and faster. Yeah. With this type of device, I mean, I mean, John, both me and you know this. You you watch a you watch a customer in a dealership, and a salesperson excuses themselves, and what does that customer do instantaneously? They do one of these. They just go straight to the phone, right? You know, but now they can't do that because they're using the phone as their form of communication. So, John, I'm going to ask you kind of the same question for yourself. You know, uh, as as kind of the Cot Automotive Group, you know, how are, have you guys? What kind of thoughts have you guys had, or how are you being prepared for whatever percentage of customers out there are going to choose to have more of a, a virtual sales process versus than an in-person sales process? Well, we sold just under 400 cars last last month between all the stores, which was which was a lot of vehicles still, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, only, I would say less than 10 of the 400 actually didn't come into the dealership at all. Like they still wanted to experience, I call it VAC, it's visual, audio, kinesthetic. There still has to be a kinesthetic approach to every car sale. People want to touch and feel it, right? So um, now with that said, lots of communicating, lots of videos, lots of texting, lots of, so all that, a lot of the negotiation, a lot of the process is still done online and probably more so now than ever. Um, so our, so our a, team- A lot of that relationship building and the connection yeah. portion of the transaction, that's happening online. Yeah, there's lots more of that. There's a lot, I mean, our, our team has to be more adaptable to, to, to being able, you know, we're all more social media, we're more digital, we're more, more everything. If you're not in that game, you're, it could become extinct, but um, people still want to touch and feel, man. They still want to come and meet the salesperson. They still want to meet the sales manager. I mean, if you're going to sign uh, a finance loan, you want to 
have someone explain it to you in person, right? So um, we had to really change the way, like, you know, you're not going to have 10 customers in the showroom at the same time anymore. Like he used to have big sales and stuff. So we, we had to change that by appointment and spread people out and spread out uh, when they came and pick up the car and all that. Um, same with service. I mean, we still had 30 appointments in a day in service, but they were spread out and they were, you know, not the waiters were, were spread out on where they could sit and everything like that and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've had to adapt, but I don't think it's ever going to really take over where, you know, no one's going to come in a dealership anymore. I think, I think it's up a little bit, but it's, you know, we're, we're really good at communicating online, but people still want to, you know, people still want to come and experience the car and, and I mean, obviously we're doing test drives now where they go on the test drive themselves. So that had to change, you know, where the salesperson doesn't accompany. So he does a quick walk around and then the customer goes on the drive themselves. Uh, we can do drop off and pick up, but they still come in the dealership to, to pick it up. Right. So. Now, uh, communication, uh, I think that's actually something we, we can actually talk about real quick. You know, um, we've had some great news, you know, as far as what just came out, you know, from, you know, Don, your conversation you recently had with the premier that we're going to be kind of getting back to, you know, some level of norm with business. So I think there's a lot of dealerships out there that are going to have to figure out, like, what do they communicate? You know, for a lot of dealerships, they haven't been communicating anything you know, really for the last 30 or 40 days. And now they're going to have to get back into market, you know, with, with a message, you know, from an OEM perspective, you guys haven't stopped communicating. Um, you've been communicating a message of, of help and deferral payments and great deals. And in fact, I think I just heard of a bulletin or I saw a bulletin that you guys were offering something to first responders. Is that something that you can talk about Don? Yeah, no, I, you know, I think in the bigger picture, at a time like this, you know, it, it's, you have to change, but you have to keep communicating. But a lot of the communication goes direct as opposed to traditional media. And so, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think everybody is doing something for the first responders. And I think that's, uh, that's incredible. And, and in addition to us providing uh, additional support uh, to those people on the front line, uh, we've also been very active involved with our, our hospital here in Markham Stouffville in providing supplies. Uh, as you know, I mean, this came so fast that a lot of the hospitals weren't prepared with the uh, the mask and the gloves and all those things. And and even today, you know, they, they still need help. They still need support. And the more support and help we can give them, the faster we're going to we're going to bring this under containment. So, you know, I th and, and we're not the only ones. I mean, I, I'm every I have a dealer right down the road. Um, new market, uh, Tony Del Gobo. I just got off the phone with Tony not too long ago. He says hi, by the way. He's the best, and he he is awesome, and and uh, has uh, two dealerships, and uh, in both of the markets where he, he's uh, doing business, he provided the local hospitals with uh, cars for the nurses to drive, so they wouldn't have to take mass transit, so they'd feel more comfortable. And it's those kinds of things. Everybody, John, uh, the, all of them have been doing these kinds of things in their local communities. And I think that's something that we have that's an advantage over, say, someone like Tesla, who, you know, they come into Canada, great, they're selling electric cars, that's a really whatever, good point. In a big country, but are they really part of their communities? And, and I would question that. I would say that our dealers who have been not just doing business, but have become an integral part of their communities, servicing those communities there when the communities are having a tough time. That's what gives us the advantage and, and will, I think, ensure that down the road, it's uh, 
our, our way of doing business that will prevail because ultimately this is a perfect example of our dealers pulling through and helping customers out during the most uh, difficult times and helping not just our customers, but just helping people out that uh, are having to take care of us, uh, whether it's in supermarkets or whether it's in hospitals or, you know, and I think that's, I'm, I'm really proud of that, that situation and uh, glad that, uh, you know, guys like John are out there uh, making it happen for him. Hey, John, for yourself, you know, how does your marketing message kind of change, you know, given the current climate? Well, a lot, you know, first of all, we had to, we wanted to message our own customer base, right? So that was the most part that was, so we started doing newsletters, you know, I think two a week uh, minimum. And, you know, surprisingly enough, I didn't have any, I didn't have any opt out. I didn't hardly had, I had less than 1% of my, of the people that got sent it opted out. So people still wanted to be, you know, what that showed me is that people want to hear, right. They want to know what's going on. And so they wanted to know if they could get, you know, their winter tires changed over to, to their, to their summer ones. Cause they still had to drive places and who wants to drive on their winter tires. Right. So that was important. And then, you know, the sales, like I said, I, I already said they, you know, people still want to know what options they have and in, in situations like, like uh, the virus. Right. So we just made sure we were over communicating with our customers. As far as marketing goes, you know, everybody cut back marketing, right? Cause obviously, you know, the pie was smaller, right? So, you know, um, but, uh, we still wanted to make sure we got out there and let customers know that we were open for business. Um, you know, and quite on, we, we got a, we got a pretty good response. I had lots of dealers call me and say, Hey, we closed up. I wish we wouldn't have. And you know, what about the public shaming and all this? And I said, you know, I, I got a few, I got a few customers that reached out to me and said, how can you be open? And I just talked to them and explained it. I said, I have 200 employees, you know, what's worse, me letting go all of them or, or me trying to find a way to still service some customers and keep all my employees working. I'll, I'll add to that, John, if you don't mind. Uh, our, my response has always been, how, how do you think essential service personnel get to work? Do you see yeah, them walking exactly. down the highways? Are yeah, people- so... You know that yeah. John was actually out there helping our essential service people get to their essential services. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, I even the even the people that weren't happy about it, I actually reached out to them personally and said, you know what, let's talk about this. Well, you know, and and once I talked to them, they they might not have agreed with me, but at least they respected why we were doing what we were doing, and 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 so I wasn't scared of it. I wasn't scared of it at all, and and uh, I'm actually really proud that we were able to keep, you know, most of our employees still working. And I, I do have to shout out. I don't like everything that the federal department has been doing, but most people don't. With the wage subsidy, I uh, was able to keep a lot of dealerships afloat, and that should be acknowledged. Um, that really helped a lot of the dealers keep going, and. Uh, you know, I'm really, I see light at the tunnel. I see that Alberta is opening up uh, a lot of stuff right now. So I'm hoping BC follows right away. And I, I you know, there's very minimal cases in, in, I, I, we had a, we had a nurse bought a car yesterday and she said, you know, the hospitals in Kelowna are, are dead, right? There's three cases and, you know, one person in the hospital, right? So um, I'm hoping BC gets on board here and, and gets some of the economy, uh, some of the businesses that have been closed uh, going like Alberta has. So. 
Well, you know what? Another thing, guys, I was going to ask you about, because I'm finding a lot of dealerships right now are having to put the message out about the process before they can put a message out about an offer or an incentive. And, you know, I talk to a lot of customers because my BDC is still very active in making phone calls for dealerships. And, you know, the most commonly asked question we get is how? Like, how can I buy a car from you, right? If I need to service my car, how do I do that? If I need to buy a car, how do I do that? And I think that's kind of like, that's a fundamental shift for us as an industry. You know, we've always kind of held off the process until you kind of show up to the dealership. And we've always kind of led with a message of offers and incentives. So now it's kind of being flipped where the consumer wants to hear the message of process before they hear a message of incentive and offers. But that changes the way we kind of train our staff. You know, like we're training the staff not just necessarily to come out and talk immediately about incentives and offers, but to kind of, I guess, make make people feel a little more comfortable by over communicating those processes before they show up. Um, Don, what's your thoughts on how we kind of train, you know, our our staff kind of moving forward and how do we kind of train, I guess, dealerships, you know, I guess more EQ and, and uh, have more empathy in their process? Yeah, I think, you know, we're all novices in this area. There are, there are no experts. So we're, uh, you know, we're working with health officials. We're publishing uh, step-by-steps, but since we published Hyundai Safe and Sound, our initiative to do that, we've had two revisions already, updates, because we keep learning new things. And uh, I think that the, the key isn't having the perfect solution. It's having continuity between all the dealerships. And that'll be one of our responsibilities to communicate that continuity once we become Starbucks-like, where uh, everybody has a very similar protocol in place to take care of the customers. And that's hard because these, you know, John and the dealers are independent, you know, and they, they think and act independently. That's what makes them successful. But in this case, I think it's going to be imperative that we can't operate uh, 222 dealers completely independently on this issue. We got to come with up with uniformity. That's our responsibility. That's what we're doing with Hyundai Safe and Sound. That initiative will grow. We'll learn from the things that worked. We'll uh, learn from things that we could do better. Um, you know, one of the questions that, that came up recently is, you know, pens. You know, do you do you, do you give the? How do you give a customer a pen? Just I know it's a little thing. That's crazy though. But we have to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, but, but but we're going to learn, and we're we're going to go from novice to professional very quickly here. And uh, I believe uh, people like John, who are actually one of the first to say, "Hey, I'm not closing." I'm going to deal with this issue. Uh, we're really instrumental for us in terms of learning some of their their procedures. If you go to a number of websites at our dealerships, you're going to find them expressing what they do quite eloquently and and very professionally, uh, far better than anything we would have ever done. And and that's how we started, just learning piece by piece, then pulling it all together. The next step will be for us to communicate this to the uh, to the public on how we as Hyundai Canada. Uh, we'll take care of John yourself. Like how, how are you kind of dealing with your, with your sales staff or actually your entire team of how training them and communicating the new process? Well, we did a lot of how to videos. We did a lot of how to videos to be honest with our website. You know, we did whiteboard videos and how to book service. We did whiteboard videos on how to look up cars. Um, We did whiteboard videos for our staff. Um, we had a task force uh, that the employees did uh, that I had their engagement on 
all the safety protocols. So team leaders at every store with a task force. So, you know, one in sales, one in service, one in parts, one in one of the techs. And just so that they were all communicating weekly on how to make sure that we are giving customers a good experience. Lots of training on different things. Like, you know, we've always been a good training company, but now we have to train on how you communicate and how you message to customers and, you know, how we're going to, you know, greet them and how we're going to, you know, so there's been some changes, but um, we've been really big on the videoing. Um, and I think, you know, so our newsletters had videos. Um, we, you know, we send videos to the staff now. Um, you know, Don's done some, done some videos to the dealers. Um, so there's, there's been lots of changes the way people communicate. And I think, you know, the guys that are progressive and, and realize, you know, what changed and how to adapt quicker are going to be more successful than the people that kind of were doing the wait and see approach. Um, and I just, I, I couldn't afford to wait and see. I had to, I had to, you know, I had to, you know, every day there was new changes, right? So um, we, we tried to make sure that we were talking and, and lots of trials and errors, obviously, right? With with anything that's this big, but uh, we came out of it. We came out of it okay. So, hey, you know, let's talk about a, a new process. One that I never thought our industry would actually have to have a discussion around, but sanitizing vehicles. You know, I, I, there's a lot of dealerships out there saying they're going to sanitize vehicles, and I, I kind of have some general concerns about this. You know, my my family kind of comes from the restaurant and hospitality industry, and where it's heavily heavily regulated when you use words like that as far as what you can and can't do and, and so on and so forth. And I, I'm a little concerned about there just not being kind of a, a standard sanitized operational process that exists. And I'm just kind of curious on both your guys' thoughts on this. You know, this is going to be kind of the expectation of our customers moving forward, but how do we ensure that we're doing it correctly and doing it consistently the same every single time? Don, I'll start with you and then I'll come to you, John, with the same question. Well, there's one full foolproof way to do it, and that is don't touch it for five days. Uh, it's not going to last on these surfaces. So, you know, that, but then that gets back to, okay, if somebody is going to uh, purchase a car in Europe, you'll wait up to two to three weeks. You'll order the car. The car will come in. You schedule an appointment to come in. And I think we're going to have to adopt some of the European ideas that have been used. I don't think it's come and get it anymore. I think... Uh, the, the time it takes to, to prep the car and get it ready. But, it, you know, I think one clear way is if you can get the car prepared and then have it sit undercover uh, for, for five days, it's sort of like, uh, you know, aging a good wine, I guess, uh, you know, it's going to be aging our car perfect, <laughs> perfect condition uh, when you come in and really the keys can be put in. It's in the, you know, it, obviously it, it's going to be tough to do high volume, uh, this way, but we're going to learn. We're going to learn efficiencies, and then I mean, you know, John can take you through a number of things he's been doing. Uh, but there, there are things you can do for, especially service customers who you're not going to let their car sit there for five days. So, uh, you know, there are ways to, to to clean the touch areas and to provide ensure that the the people that are working on the cars are also sanitized at the same time. So I'll, I'll leave that to John. John, yeah, that's a that's a great question for you. Like, what is kind of the sanitized process for yourself um, at the group? Well, we had dedicated people in sales that that's all they did, right? So they would, you know, if someone touched a car, then they would go sanitize it right after and make sure it was locked and, you know, use all the guidelines of sanitation, 
you know, we had some um, vendors that, you know, gave us the, the materials and the supplies and, and, you know, we, we reached out to them to tell us, you know, you know, what would work and what wouldn't and, and had to do some bulk buys and, you know, so in service, same thing, you know, we have dedicated people that are just, that's all they do all day is make sure that the dealership and the cars are sanitized and, you know, it's extra people that we never had that. We never had those people before. Um, but it's just now it's a cost of doing business. So, you know, we've had to adapt it into our process. So, I love the idea that you have one single person, you know, kind of doing it, right? Because then because you're able to control the consistency and the execution of that process. Hey, guys, I know it's getting towards the tail end of our time today. Uh, but before we sign off here, I get to ask you guys one more question, which is my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on here. And I gave you a little prep before we started here. So we're going we're gonna to try to do this. Um, John, I'm going to start with you first. John Cott. What is pissing you off? Haha, <laughs> harsh word. Um, well, personal wise, I'm going through sports withdrawals, right? So whether it's Here you on that one. NHL, NFL, whatever, like I need to be out and about. I need to, you know, be watching sports. I need to be uh, I'm a fairly social person, so I you know, I'm not a homebody type of person. So that that's uh, I'm like a caged animal that way with no sports. I'm, I've been watching The Last Dance, which uh, I'm sure everyone has, and that's pretty cool. It's been a great uh, one. Professional-wise, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I get annoyed by the media when with some of the reporting that they're doing about the cases where they don't let everybody know that it was pre-existing conditions and, you know, the person was dying of cancer anyway and, and stuff like that. So um, I like to – I'm more of an optimist. I like to be a positive person, and I think there's so much optimist – of news that they could be doing and we should be getting going on coming out and getting the economy going. So that would be my biggest uh, challenge right now that I'd like to challenge the, the BC politicians and, and everybody to start thinking about the economy and, and coming out of it because we're in really good shape with the virus. Well said. I agree. All right, Don, I know you're a very level-headed person all the time, but I've been looking forward to asking this question all week long because I think everybody wants to know what is pissing Don Romano off? You know, honestly, I don't get pissed off that often. And when I do, it usually has to do with something stupid that I did. And then I realize I'm really pissed off at myself. But, but to be honest, um, people that know me, uh, I'm not the kind of CEO that sits behind a desk. I feel most comfortable in dealerships. I grew up in this business. I mean, from that day I got my first job, uh, I was a district manager calling on dealers in the parts department. I went to service. I went to sales. And my whole life has just been growing up with, uh, you know, professionally with, with dealers. I, and what pisses me off is I have not been able to step foot in a dealership for the past month and a half. And uh, it's, I, you know, I've been to John's stores. I mean, uh, I've been to uh, across the country. I, I just spend most of my time out in the field. And that's where you need to be. If, you, if, if you're trying to run a company and you don't go to the front line, then you shouldn't be running that company because uh, that's where the business is conducted. And that's where you're going to find out all the policies and procedures you put in place as a CEO, which ones are working and which ones are completely ridiculous and not working. And if you're not willing to go out there and face that and learn about it, you're probably not going to be a CEO for that long. And I have the actual honor of probably being the longest serving CEO for Hyundai in the history of Hyundai. So that's awesome. <laughs> it works. And I, I, that's my, to, to everybody else. And, uh, but I will tell you one thing, it has been 
a blessing at the same time that uh, I do go home and spend more time with my family. I've gotten to know my kids better. My wife's, uh, I'm not sure she's as happy to see me as much as she <laughs> he does, but she's happier than, than before. And, and uh, so, you know, you got to, in all situations, you know, when, when life gives you lemons, figure out a way to make lemonade. And uh, I think we've done just that. And I believe that uh, lemonade is going to get a lot sweeter in the months ahead. Uh, well said, Don. I, I totally agree with you on that one. Hey, guys, for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now and would love to kind of connect with you guys and follow along with your journey, all right, what is the best way to do so? John, I'll start with you. Um, you can reach me at John Cott at uh, cottautogroup.com. And guys, check out John Cott's LinkedIn's page. I know I'm going to throw it out there for him, but the, you guys put out some amazing videos, and I encourage you to keep doing so. Thank you. Hey, Don, for yourself, what's the best way to connect with you? Best way to connect with me is at John Cott at John Cott. <laughs> um, best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's there, there's no better way. I, I check it every day and uh, be glad to, to connect. Awesome. Hey, guys, thanks again for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. Jason, take care. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good one. John, good seeing you. You bet. Take care.